Hi and welcome. We are podcasting from London. Hi to all Londoners that decided to join me again and to all new listeners. You are listening to the Pursuit of Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Daria Tiesler, health educator, ex-professional athlete, personalized and lifestyle medicine advocate, registered nutritional therapist, personal trainer, performance coach, and a founder of Daria Tiesler Wellness. Your search for wellness is just about to begin. Each time you set your frequencies on top a suite of wellness, you are going to discover something new about yourself, your health, your body, your mind, and your soul. This podcast is going to educate you on the importance of healthy digestion and the steps to help your digestion get better and more optimal for your well-being and life performance. Five. Four, three, two, one, let's go. I would like to welcome my guest on this Pursuit of Wellness podcast. Christine is an award-winning nutritional therapist, functional nutritional practitioner, chef, author, and broadcaster with over 18 years of experience. Hi, Christine. And once again, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Right. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so excited because I feel like we both have passion to good life, mm. to fitness, to health. And we uh, both of us want to make this nation more aware how our internal health is important for our mind, for our well-being, for our joy and happiness. Absolutely. And it's all about achieving optimal health as well, rather than just feeling uh, or normal through the day and just struggling through the day. What we're really trying to show people is you can be vibrant and healthy all the time. And it's searching and striving for that optimal wellness. Right. Optimization. Right. I think this is one of the biohacking for us now. Mm. <laughs> right. Christine, what is your personal and professional story? Oh gosh, that's very long. So I have I have been involved in the health industry for probably about 20 years now. Um, and before then, I, I'm very much a scientist. That's how I was trained um, in environmental sciences and ecology. And then I started, I've always had a passion for food. I mean, I was brought up in a family where home-cooked food was, of course, something that everyone would eat. Why wouldn't they? I mean, we we were not never given ready meals, processed foods. That was never done. Um, so I had very traditional northern parents who would make everything from scratch. So food has always been a life for me. And then after the birth of my first son, who was actually born quite premature, so that was, what, 21 years ago now, I actually had a major bowel operation during that, that um, whole process, which meant that he was born premature, very premature actually and I actually had half my bowel taken out and it was after that that I had my own sort of you know health journey to have to make discovered I was celiac um, and in those days finding gluten-free food was impossible I mean it was just awful just brick heavy heavy horrible food um, so of course you know with my background in food that was great because then I could develop lots of recipes. But then I started to train, um, trained in nutrition, trained in functional medicine, uh, professionally trained as a chef as well. 
Um, and it's through that that I've been in practice now for 18, 20 years, loving it, of course. Yeah, and we all need you because, <laughs> you know, the combination of uh, those skills you've got, right? Understanding mm. of the science, right? Understanding the medicine as art and science, understanding the nutritional science, nutritional medicine, and then laying up everything around food and colors mm. and the flavors and the taste and how all of this can actually improve our uh, our health and optimize and, and, and you know food has it has to taste good and it has to be practical so you know a lot of people might know what they should be doing but actually applying that and motivating themselves to change is very difficult so as our role as a practitioner is to make that as easy as possible um, for them to do that Right, and I and all your books are uh, are great, and they always guiding how to create those beautiful recipes. But what you said, it is important to be practical, mm. so our custom our customers clients can actually mm. uh, apply it. You are a nutritional therapist and use food as medicine. Yeah. Can you explain what is nutritional therapy and how be you become a chef? You told a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a chef traditional chef training is normally three or four years of training. Um, and um, that does not necessarily, and I have to say, does not necessarily mean it's healthy food. I mean, in, in back in the days when I was trained, it was very traditional cuisine. You know, lots of oil, lots of fats, lots of sugars, lots of salt, lots of salt, salting everything. Um, but it just gave me all the platform to for the, me to then change those recipes. And then the way we train as um, nutritionists and nutritional therapists, and particularly in functional medicine, is is really working with the individual. We're looking at the personalized approach, uh, taking into account their genetics, their background, their health history, all the signs and symptoms that they're presenting with. What are their health goals? What's their lifestyle like? How are they sleeping? What's their stress levels? Are they exercising? Uh, it's taking all of those into account and then looking for underlying imbalances in body systems and aiming to bring those back into balance. And the primary way of doing that is lifestyle modification and food. So everything you put on your fork and you put in your mouth will have an effect on your body. And it's really important that we have that connection with, and, and you will know this by being an athlete. You know, athletes get it. They understand that if I eat something great today, it's going to fuel my performance. Whereas a lot of the time we tend to forget, you know, why am I not thinking that great today? Well, it's because you've just eaten a load of sugar or processed foods and your blood sugar's all over the place. That's why your brain's not working. Um, and so sometimes we just need to get back to the basics of, you know, if we really want to fuel our body, fuel our mind, we need to give it the right nutrients. Right. You said um, lifestyle and food. And I think, again, we're very often forgetting how is that, that important, right? Mm. We're sometimes going into best Uh, training, mm. best uh, program, best supplement protocol, best uh, test, right? Functional medicine test, right? Is like crazy about, we are crazy about that, right? And we've seen people coming to the clinic. Can you do test, this test? Can you give me that supplement? But then again, we have to think of the basics, mm. lifestyle, mm. how we manage in stress, how we sleep, 
right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what do we keep on our and put on our uh, for? And also just looking at your own, you know, if someone's listening, just look at your own timeline. And what I mean by that is often what we find is that there are certain events in your life that may have happened 10, 15 years ago that have actually been a, what we call an antecedent, almost a, a, a trigger for something that changes fundamentally in the body, whether that's, for example, the gut. You know, you had food poisoning 10 years ago and you've never really addressed that. You've had a traumatic, stressful event. Uh, You've had high doses of medications. You've had a serious injury. All of these leave their footprint on our health. And sometimes just taking a step back, having a look at your own timeline, you can start to see okay, that's when my eczema started to flare up. That's when I'm having problems with fatigue. That's when I have my burnout. And then something else happened. And it's taking all of those into account in terms of, well, how do we rectify that now? So it's a, just summarize, so would you say that uh, nutritional therapy, clinical nutrition, mm. right, uh, functional medicine, mm. they all address, they all focus into address the root causes Root causes and a personalised approach. You know, what works for one person may not necessarily work for another. Yeah, I I think that Mm. is what I see also in my clinic, Mm. right? Made the beginning seems like, okay, that is the same. Mm. But then while you look it deeper and deeper, you say, okay, maybe the mediator is different. Yeah. What trigger is different, right? Maybe that personal story is different and we might need to start addressing differently. Simple tweaks, yeah. In this podcast, we are exploring gut health. In my clinic, I observe that most of people, clients, present chronic symptoms of poor digestion, Mm. such as bloating, gases, indigestion, stomach and intestine pain, chronic constipation or diarrhea. Why is this happening? Well, it's interesting you say that because when you look at the stats, about 70% of people in the UK suffer with gut problems. Um, whether that's, um, you know, like you just said, indigestion, reflux, whether that's IBS type symptoms or um, something like inflammatory bowel disease, which I mean Crohn's colitis or divicular disease, celiac or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of many factors. I mean, some of those are genetically linked. So celiac and Crohn's, they're autoimmune conditions. So we know that there's a genetic component to that. But just having the genes to something doesn't mean you'll end up having that condition or having a problem. But um, for a lot of us, you know, we have a very stressful life. We're not sleeping well. Uh, We may be under-exercising or over-exercising. That can all affect the gut. Um, We might be eating very nutrient-poor food. We're eating on the go. We're eating late. We're eating large portions. We're skipping meals. Our whole approach in terms of how we eat and what we eat contributes to how well we can digest. If you think about it, for a lot of people, you know, how many people really sit down to a meal, think about what they're eating, chew their food properly, take their time over a meal? All of that matters when it comes to will your stomach acid be sufficient? Will you be producing digestive enzymes? Have you got good bile flow? All of those are needed for absorption and digestion of food. And if you're not absorbing and digesting, then potentially you'll be low in nutrients. You may be feeding harmful bacteria in your gut and the whole cascade goes on. So, um, you know, it's it's something that I, I, I suspect most people will either experience 
or know of someone who's experienced it. All right, that's a very good explanation. I think why I have asked this uh, this question is because people just need to recognize that maybe me having big bloat or having indigestion or having chronic constipation is not normal. It's not normal and there will be an underlying reason for it. Absolutely there will. And it might be several reasons. You might be stressed, you might have a gut infection, you might be reacting to a food. You know, I see a lot of um, clients in my clinic who are celiac or non-celiac gluten sensitive and they don't even know it. Right. And you mentioned stress, right? And mm-hmm. one of my questions actually was, why are anxieties, depression, mood feeling connected to the to the gut? There is a brain symptom, there yeah. is any connection? Yeah, absolutely. So we know there is something called the brain gut axis. So our gut and our brain are intimately linked through something called the vagus nerve. Um, uh, so part of our nervous system, but also our gut flora, our bacteria in our gut can produce a number of different chemicals, including neurotransmitters. These are chemicals that influence how we think and feel. And therefore, you know, what happens in the gut can affect the brain and vice versa. So stressful thoughts have been shown to change your gut flora. I love, I love, I love what yeah. you're saying, right? Because that's what I'm seeing also yeah. in my my clinic. Sometimes we start from the gut, right? Mm. You work, you work, patients get better, right? But then still something is not clicking mm. and I'm like, okay, let's see what's happened on the mm. nervous system, mm. the response, what does the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. And then yes, here we go. You need to relax. You need to chill out. Mm. And also it's what what's really exciting now, I work a lot with depression and mental health, is that they've been doing trials where they've been feeding people, you know, half a cup of yogurt a day, which is obviously rich in beneficial bacteria. And that's been shown to decrease anxiety Uh, improve their stress resilience and improve depression. I mean, how unbelievable is that? So we know that there is this connection. So there's a lot more research into the brain-gut axis. There's now research into whether or not different gut flora may be almost a precursor to some of the cognitive decline uh, health conditions, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, for example. So a lot of research in that area. I actually saw, uh, uh, I think there were actually research But definitely I saw something in relation to uh, people who struggle with weight loss. Oh, yes, weight loss. Because the bacteria actually are consuming the energy, Mm. the food we eat, and we cannot drop weight because something else is inside us. (laughs) <laughs> right, the bacteria, bacteria well, it, flora. And it, it also change. It changes not only energy utilization, mm. but also what we call gluten sense. Uh, sorry, uh, blood sugar sensitivity. Right. And this particular species. So there's a lot of work on a group of species called the Acomantia, who seem to be much more associated in people who are very lean compared to obese. And what they've done is with fecal transplant, they've taken the feces from a uh, obese mouse. Uh, put it into a lean mouse and that lean mouse has become fat. So, you know, there's there's some interesting work on specific gut flora and how well they harvest energy. And where does bacteria come in from? So we are all we all got bacteria. We're all born with bacteria. It used to be thought that when a baby was born, they, it was sterile until they went through the birth canal. That's not true. We know now from the research that Actually, the bacteria starts when they are a fetus because of the blood, the placenta and so on with the mother. So that again goes back to 
what the mother eats and the health of the mother can affect the outcome of the baby, including their risk of allergies. So eczema, asthma um, can be influenced by what the mother was eating when the baby was a fetus. I mean, that's incredible if you think about it. Um, and then, of course, it's shaped by our contact with the environment, our contact with other people. There was a study out a couple of weeks ago in the Science Journal that they have shown that having contact with someone else can influence your microbiota, which I see all the time. I mean, whenever I see a family and perhaps the children have got gut infections, they've got a parasite, they've got this and the other, I'll test the whole family because the chances are they've transferred it from one to another. Now they're looking at, you know, some what they call non-communicable diseases like cardiovascular risk, Parkinson's, IBD. Could that even be influenced by the people you keep around you? I mean, how interesting is that? Mm. Um, but of course, our gut flora as well responds to the food that we eat. Um, you look at most traditional cultures, every traditional culture, particularly those in the blue zones, will have what we call fermented foods in their diet, whether that's sauerkraut, kimchi, uh, it might be pickled beetroots, it might be yogurt, kefir, whatever. And they're consuming those on a daily basis. And those have beneficial bacteria in. Uh, they can improve or modulate our immune system in our gut. And then, of course, if we're eating lots of great fibre-rich foods, so leafy greens, uh, whole grains, beans and pulses, those provide food for our beneficial bacteria to thrive. And what we now know is having a wide range of different bacteria in our gut actually is very, very beneficial for our health long term. Right. I'm shaking my head because I'm Polish and I always have to You're fear, used to that then. Right. Yeah. And uh, in winter, where is uh, no man and there is no rainbow in winter in Poland, uh, we have uh, sauerkraut, right? Mm. And that was always every single meal. You've Perfect. got uh, that, right? So I am completely, uh, completely on the board uh, with you on that. Okay, let's be practical. A person after listening this podcast realized that maybe their digestive health needs to improve. What step should they take from this point? So the first thing is really to start looking, really at making sure their diet is as unprocessed as possible. And what I mean by that is just going back to basics, you know, uh, get in more and more um, healthy vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans and pulses, you know, some obviously um, lean proteins as well. Uh, but don't rely on processed foods, don't rely on sugary drinks, because they will disrupt your gut flora. Think about how you eat, because that's just as important as what you eat. You know, are you rushing your food? Uh, are you chewing your meals? Do you eat very late at night? That's really not good for the digestion. Um, you know, there's been quite a lot of studies on intermittent fasting being very beneficial for your gut flora, for example. Are you having fermented foods every day? That could just be, do you know what? I'll have half a cup of yogurt a day. You know, I'll, if I'm making a smoothie, I'll add some kefir or add some yogurt to that. Or why don't I try a bit of um, raw sauerkraut or kimchi with my food? Um, and then are you getting enough uh, what we call the fiber rich foods that could be, you know, a bowl of porridge in the morning. Oats are a great, great source of fiber. Um, do I like lentils? Can I put those in my diet? Um, so be thinking about 
how will my gut like or hate these foods? Um, and then, of course, it is worth mentioning there are quite a lot of people that are probably eating, you know, one or two foods that actually their body really doesn't like. And now, you know, I'm not saying everyone's a gluten sensitive, but there are a number of foods, gluten, dairy, for example, that are very common allergens. That's why we have what's called the top 14. These are the top 14 allergens that the government recognises people will potentially react to. Um, and for some people, those reactions are not necessarily as dramatic as having an anaphylactic reaction, uh, but over time, if they carry on eating them, they'll start feeling sluggish or heavy or their stomach will bloat. Um, and then if you've been addressing those and you're not finding benefit, then I would say seek support from a practitioner because it might be you do have a gut infection. You might need stool testing. You might need other types of testing to really find out what the underlying problem is. Yeah, I just want to remind our audience that we're talking about optimization, mm. right? We want to make you feel better in yourself. That's why we are digging those root root causes and root issues, right? And mm. uh, the the basics is, like you said, right? Whole foods, whole, adding lots of plants, right? The the fermented food. and But then if you're noticing that mm, despite of me making this nutrition more nutritious, mm. right? There, there are not changes we then made go and say, seek the help of, um, of professional. Mm. You're running a gut program right yes. uh, it is a uh, i think for practitioners but let's say we are living practitioners mm. and what is that gut health program because there's that gut diet uh, gut yes. plan book right yes. what uh, is this book about how do what are the stages of gut healing yeah so i run i so i train a lot of practitioners and medics as well but obviously i I write and I see, you know, customers and, and the clients and the public all the time in cookery courses and so on. So I wrote what's called the Gut Health Diet. And what that does is that's, um, you know, readily available, but it, it talks people through all the stages. We call them the five R's um, in order to really optimize your gut health. And what those five R's mean is that they, they stand for different stages. So you always want to start off with remove what is there something in my diet or my lifestyle that is making my gut worse and that could be I've got a gut infection I've got high stress I'm not sleeping or it could be I'm eating a food like gluten or dairy or other grains or whatever that's irritating my gut those you need to start removing then we say well okay what do I then need to replace because it might be that you are lacking in digestive enzymes uh, you might need some stomach acid support. So that could just be things like eating bitters, bitter greens. Um, traditionally, little bitter shots were taken before meals. Apple cider vinegar, you know, these all help with digestion. Um, do I need to replace some of those? Do I need to uh, add in uh, nutrients that encourage better stomach acid or digestive enzymes. So, for example, a lot of people are low in zinc and they don't even know it. I mean, we know that from the government-owned surveys. Zinc is crucial for the production of stomach acid. So if you're low in zinc, well, your stomach acid is probably going to be quite low. Then you're going to feel heavy after meals because you're not breaking your foods down. You're going to feel quite bloated. Um, so that's the, the second one. And then it's... Um, so we have remove, we have replace, and then we have repopulate. And that's going back to the, let's add in some fermented foods. Let's add in some fibres that those bacteria can feed on. Um, and then we have repair because there are cases where 
there is what we call intestinal permeability. The gut lining needs support. And that's very common uh, with um, professional athletes or people that overtrain. They often will have intestinal permeability. People with autoimmune conditions like celiac or Hashimoto's or rheumatoid arthritis, people with inflammation. Um, so there's lots of nutrients and we talk about the foods that you can add in to support that. And then it's all about rebalance. And by rebalance, what I mean is remember the importance of sleep and um, exercise, but not too extreme, sleep, stress, all of those things, that sense of community, that sense of purpose in life, because all of those also are really important for optimal gut health. Yeah, you talk, I think, at the start about... Uh emotions mind and stress and actually how and that's research that you can look mm. at the research how this uh, can affect the gut integrity absolutely right and i think not yeah. often we think right so maybe you know you doing cle cleanse around food mm. but then you are actually your emotions are toxic mm. right you need to think Absolutely. Stress, stress is a, a key role. And and to be honest, I think most people listening will understand that because often when people do feel stressed, they get dodgy tum, they go to the toilet, they feel sick, they don't want to eat. You know, that's a very common uh, complaint that I get. So, of course, it's affecting you. Gut, gut feeling, gut mm, intuition, absolutely. right? We cannot suppress yeah. that, right? Yeah. Okay, we talk about food and you mentioned few foods for optimal gut health. There are any other specific uh, foods? We had fermented food, right? So there are so it's fermented foods, the fibers, um, and also you want to have what we call those bitters, so leafy greens. And what I mean by that are things like, you know, spinach, kale, um, some of the more spicier ones, mm. you know. So rocket, I know it's not to everyone's taste, but those sort of more bitters, what they do is they help to stimulate your stomach acid and that helps with digestion. But likewise, there's other enzymatic rich foods, so um, papaya. Um, that's a classic one. And in fact, traditionally, those seeds, which are incredibly peppery, were actually used as a natural antiparasitic, interestingly. Um, and then pineapple is another one very good for digestion. Um, sprouted seeds and beans, they're very easy for the body to digest as well. Um, and then we also talk about foods that are naturally antimicrobial. So a lot of those natural herbs that we may use as a garnish, actually, they're very therapeutic. So you know, oregano, rosemary, you know, thyme, these are all garlic, even ginger. These are all very beneficial for the gut. So those are great foods to include, yeah. Uh, and you told uh, papaya, uh, uh, so do we eat seeds? Or no, you no? won't traditionally eat oh, okay. the seeds, although right. although traditionally in a lot of Asian cultures they would. I mean, I, I remember spending some time with a, a lovely Indian friend of mine and uh, I was scooping them out. She said, why are you doing that? We would normally eat them. And I'm looking at them thinking, <laughs> they taste disgusting. But actually, they, you know, from a therapeutic point of view, if you felt that you had a gut infection, they might be quite beneficial. So it's the, it's the orange flesh that's um, very rich in papayan, which is a digestive enzyme. Yeah, uh, 100%. And I used, uh, I know, uh, pineapple with uh, people who had... Um, uh, arthritic pain yes, to lower the inflammation and actually yeah. actually very very beneficial mm. right so i know this from the experience and Good. i 100% agree uh, with what you say what are three foods that we should avoid when trying to rebuild our gut and why oh that's a very good question so sugar by far it has to be the one and what i mean by that is all the white refined foods the processed foods 
uh, fruit juices, fruit smoothies, obviously fizzy drinks, including sweeteners as well. Um, those are going to promote inflammation. They could promote um, harmful bacteria to grow, harmful yeast to grow in your gut, etc. So that's the first thing. You need to be following a, a lower carb diet and a low sugar diet. That's for sure. Uh, for some people, gluten can be a problem. So that's wheat, barley and rye. It's, it's a very difficult protein to digest. So if you are starting to get really bloaty or heavy, you might want to just give it a go. Just try and take it out for four weeks. Do you feel any better? Processed meats, and um, particularly if there's a history of bowel cancer, I would be avoiding. So that's your salami, your bacon, your sausages, your parma hams, I'm afraid. Um, but those can be... Um, you know, very inflammatory again. It's all about you want to lower inflammation. And alcohol is really not a good idea for the gut. It's been shown to promote leaky gut, so intestinal permeability. It puts a lot of pressure on the gut and the liver for detoxification. And, of course, it's a form of sugar. Yeah, I work, uh, I have lots of uh, female clients with uh, hormonal issues in mm -hmm. relation to uh, weight loss. And usually they will have a glass or two or three uh, of alcohol, right? And I actually uh, see lots of study. Mm. that is actually not benefiting female health not at, all. at all. Not at all, uh, right? I'm afraid, no. <laughs> yeah. So no, sus no sausages, guys, <laughs> no salami, right? And again, it's about the therapeutical application. So the, the reason we're removing this is to get healing, is mm. to get inflammation under control, right? Yeah. To lower this down. And at a later stage, you would be able to see how you go. But I believe that uh, our body will refuse to well, introduce... Well, and also a lot of those foods, foods I mentioned are nutritionally very poor. Yeah. So they're not contributing much to our health. Um, yes. and, and that's the other thing to be thinking about. I want to be nourishing my body, uh, not just giving it empty calories. Yeah, that's what I uh, I remember Diana Minik was saying. Uh, will come the moment when we will talk about nourishment, mm. not nutrition, mm. right? And that's what, again, we're trying to expose here about nourishment of your mind, your body, how you feel. It's not only giving you protein, fats and carbohydrates, Absolutely. right? So we go beyond macros. We go about phytonutrients and the healing mm. properties of mm. uh, food. And it's all most lots of food maybe not most i would be lying here but there's lots of scientific data oh absolutely. showing absolutely how blueberries right. can help yeah. how walnuts yeah. can help how pistachios absolutely. can absolutely well you look at the mediterranean diet and actually there's a whole range of foods that are beneficial for the gut and you've mentioned polyphenols well we know that um blueberries chocolate even dark chocolate um have been shown to promote the growth of our beneficial bacteria yeah um so you know What's better than a, a snack of yogurt with blueberries and a bit of chocolate? I mean, how great is that? And your gut's going to thank you for it. Right. And a female, come on, dark <laughs> chocolate, right? Uh, right. Perfect. We talk about stress. Let's explore that a little bit about that connection, how stress can impact our gut health. Yes. Yeah, so what we, what we now know is because of that gut-brain axis, that even stressful thoughts have been shown to change our gut flora. But not only that, when you are very stressed, if you think about it, you're then um, asking the adrenal glands to kick in with adrenaline and longer-term cortisol. Now, these can actually have an effect, which makes a lot of sense. These can have an effect on our blood supply. They can have an effect on shutting down digestive enzymes because that's not essential if you're lugging it out from a tiger. 
Um, and therefore, often when you are stressed, you have much more compromised digestion. Um, so you don't therefore break down your foods. You're not producing so much stomach acid or digestive enzymes. That can lead to food fermenting in your gut. That can lead to bloating and wind and so on. Um, and eventually, of course, maldigestion and malnutrition. Um, you know, you're just not going to be able to get those nourishments as well. So it can affect it in multiple ways. Um, and of course, when cortisol, cortisol, when it's working well, because we all need stress hormones, they're vital for our survival. And when it's working well, it's actually anti-inflammatory. But when it's over the top, when we're having stress 24-7, when we don't have that rest and recovery, then it can actually promote inflammation. And that can equally affect the gut. For those of you who are listening who have what we call inflammatory bowel disease, like Crohn's disease, often one of the things you'll notice is you get flare-ups when you are stressed. That's a, there's a good reason for that, because you're promoting inflammation in the body. Right, right. I, I am uh, listening and I'm um, again shaking my head because uh, it's a very similar topic um, to one of the uh, podcasts I've the, we discussed with Federica about uh, estrogen, mm. right? Estrogen is a good thing. Absolutely. Right? It's it just when it's uh, too much, mm. when it's uh, not proper detoxification of estrogen becoming the problem. And it's exactly the same with uh, with cortisol, right? Absolutely. The problem is most of people run on too high cortisol mm. or they are completely... Too low. Too low, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is either, yeah. either I mean, way, it's not if good. If you think about it, cortisol is our waking up hormone. It's what gets us out of bed in the morning. Yeah, not know? coffee. <laughs> <laughs> not coffee, right? Most of clients... When it's working well, that's yes. what it yes. yeah. Right. Right. So do you think, uh, uh, you know, if someone says themselves and they having two, three coffees in the morning to... Uh, why do you have it? Oh, because I need to wake up. Do you think there is a, some suspicious... You may well have low cortisol. Maybe something mm. happening here, mm. right? You may be using that as a prop mm. in order to get you up because your adrenal glands are not functioning optimally. Right. Yeah. So guys listening on <laughs> that. I often get asked questions uh, from my clients. What do I eat? Mm. I feel we are so disconnected from ourselves that we generally lose the intuition for cooking and eating. How can we restore our intuitive power in relation to food mm. and eating? I would always say to my clients, you know, take it one meal at a time. Because often, you know, and New Year is such a classic example where we want to change absolutely everything in our whole life. And then we wonder after three weeks why, you know, that initial willpower has gone. Willpower on its own will not get you through to a lifestyle change at all. You need, well, first of all, you need your why and you need your reasons for doing things. But you also need a strategy to do that. Um, and so I normally say to people, just start with changing your breakfast. Because if you feel better on waking and in the morning, you are then more likely to want to make other changes later on in the day. Uh, if you start off badly, you're likely to think, I'll oh, blow it, I'll just have whatever I like. Um, so look at your breakfast and just be thinking to yourself, have I got some protein there? Have I got something that's going to beneficial benefit the gut? So it could be that you make a nut-based granola. Um, you know, there's lots of good ones out there without all loads of sugars and rubbish. Have some Greek yogurt or coconut yogurt with that. Have some blueberries, you know. Make yourself a really good porridge, but put some nut butter in there or some protein or nuts and seeds to increase the protein. You know, make a chia pudding overnight. It doesn't have to be complicated. Maybe start with breakfast, make a few changes there, and gradually you will find that you'll be more motivated to make other changes. Don't try and do a complete overhaul. 
because the chances are you'll find it overwhelming, particularly if you are stressed out and you're burnt out. Um, putting that extra pressure on yourself is really not a good idea. Um, so start small um, and really be focusing on individual meals and making those count for yourself. Right, and we again talking about lifestyle changes long term. Absolutely, right? It's not something not quick fix. you're going to change everything. Right? Usually, is the roll ball uh, roll goes back, and mm. it's uh, you end up where you started. Absolutely. Right? With a over more disheartened than before, probably. Probably mm. yes. Great. So we talk here about the stress. Uh, Kristen, you wrote a book called Gut Health Program. Why we should buy this book? Um, well, this is a very, I mean, I think anyone should, because most people, whether they've got a wide range of health conditions, whether we're talking about eczema, rheumatoid arthritis, depression, mood disorders, skin flare-ups, hormonal problems, it starts in the gut. If in doubt, it starts in the gut. Um, and the gut health diet is just a practical way of people taking charge of their own health because it gives you a five-week plan to follow with all the recipes, all the meal plans, but also the first part of that gives you the science and the reasons why. So it explains each step and why this is important. So I'm trying to make this a practical way of people to really take control over their health and their gut health. And that's what I actually liked, uh, like and liked, I always will like, about you, uh, is the practical side, mm. right? Because it's uh, easy to have a recipe, easy to, for us practitioners, oh, I have to do this, oh, I have to do that. But the reality is most of people will not follow mm. because it's just too complicated, right? They, then they f getting back to you say, oh, Daria, I cannot do it, right? And I, Always and always, sometimes I feel like I'm procrastinating because I'm writing one plan, then another plan, then another plan. Mm. But maybe that is the case because that program has to fit the individual. The individual, yeah. right? I mean, we're sitting here, we're both busy um, working women. We've also got children. I mean, I've got three boys. You know, I haven't got time to spend five hours all the time cooking meals from, you know, an elaborate recipe plan. Um, so my aim is always to be making it practical, simple, but also well for me that the rest of the family is going to enjoy. So if I've got friends around or my kids are um, there, I know they're going to enjoy it as well. And also, obviously, it's going to be nourishing them. And that's important to me. And, and I love uh, the fact that uh, we're talking here about um, nourishment of the whole family mm -hmm. and celebration of our tradition and how we also eat together. And I think we sometimes forgetting how is that important mm -hmm. to our health and actually how this can impact our health. And I'm sure that there is plenty of study. Oh, there we're, is. Yeah. We're and, going to prove and, and, that. And you look at, if you just look at the blue zones, which is the areas of the world where people live the longest and the healthiest, community, uh, family time, eating together, sharing, not rushing, those are fundamental parts of why their lifestyle is healthy. It's not just about what they eat, it's how they eat and how they share it with each other. But also as parents, you know, if we are sitting down with them, we are teaching our children some really important lifestyle um, patterns that they should also be incorporating. Um, and again, you know, as parents, what we want is to not only be nourishing our children, but be teaching them lifestyle strategies um, that they will hopefully take with them when they finally leave home. <laughs> yes, it's, it's from example and kids learning uh, mm. at home. So we are example. And I think uh, as a parents are that 
mirror for them. They might pick this, they might uh, not. As we talk about children, <laughs> right? That wasn't part of the plan here, but I will pick that question here. Uh, you wrote a book uh, for allergies? Yes. Right? Yeah, so for that's kids. my latest book, actually. It's called yes. My Kids Can't Eat That. Right. And it's all about, again, it's taking the functional medicine approach. It's asking the question, why, why have my kids got, why have my child got allergies? Whether it's eczema, asthma, food allergies, whatever. How did that happen? And what can I do about it? And uh, again, it's combining the science with practical meal plans, including actually a whole load of suggestions for packed lunches and all the recipes in there. They're gluten, dairy free, and many of them are egg free, they're nut free, you know, so it, it helps. With because I see clients all the time, they've got multiple allergies, and it's like, well, that's all very well, that's gluten free, but I can't eat eggs and I can't eat dairy. Um, so it's so that book is very much a practical one for parents. You know, if you have got anyone in your family who's got an allergy, um, and you're wanting to know why, and also what can I do about it, and also if I'm planning to get pregnant and there's allergies in the family, can I reduce the risk of my baby getting an allergy? Yes, you can. And the research says that. Um, so, um, it, yeah, so that's a perfect book for anyone who's got that sort of family history background of allergies or atopic conditions. And I think even though it would be a probably great book for parents who may want to improve Oh yeah, kids, uh, nutrition, yeah, right? Because the uh, recipes are so healthy. Because yeah. I've I I work with uh, clients who has kids and they like, well, what I can give mm. to my girl? He only he wants to eat a French toast and nothing else. And there is a, for example, this attentive deficit disorder, right, happening. And oh yeah, we need to give mm. nourishment to mm. this uh, child, right? And definitely in that situation, that book will oh totally apply. Yeah. One more question again. What do you think? Um, the reason kids are uh, fussy about food. That is topic of my next one of my podcasts. But I think I want to. I, I think yeah. I think well I think children go through phases anyway. And yeah, you, know, you often find that sort of honeymoon phase after weaning where they seem to eat everything, and then they start maybe going to nursery and seeing other children and then starting to show their independence. And that some of it is a control thing. It's an independent thing. With some children, bear in mind, if they're gagging on a food or they look very uncomfortable, they may actually have a food reaction. Um, and we've often seen this with egg where children will actually physically gag on an egg or almost be sick. And it could actually be their body saying they actually have some sort of reaction. So there's multiple reasons. I know as a parent, you need to keep calm um, and uh, keep persevering and keep trying. But I always say to parents, because a lot of parents get very worked up, oh, my kids don't eat mushrooms. And I'm looking at their diet, I'm saying, yes, but they eat 20 other different vegetables. So why are you worried about mushrooms? I'm sure as an adult, there are some foods we don't like. Um, you know, the, the key is to make sure they're eating a wide variety of foods. Um, so that we they are getting that full nourishment. You know, it can be tricky when they're literally refusing everything. Um, but, uh, you know, there's lots of strategies we can use. All right. Well, that, that's very nice and extensive. And I think uh, parents also will benefit while listening this uh, this podcast. Uh, Christine, uh, you love weight training. I see you on your <laughs> Instagram. Um, why do you think we should do weight training, right? Outside of the other form of yeah. activities. Uh, yeah. How how do you benefit from that? 
Uh, well, I'm, I'm sitting here nursing an injury at the moment. So I do like weight training, but I have a shoulder injury at the moment. That was doing too many squats, I think. But anyway, I yeah, as people get older, I think particularly it's something, and I would say as women, I think it's something that's neglected, you know. I mean, luckily now I think the awareness of it is, is becoming more well-known. But, you know, come the age of 40, 50, we are losing muscle mass. Whether we like it or not, we are losing muscle mass. Every year we lose about 1%. If we don't start to exercise and start to do some sort of resistant work, and it could be body weight work, it doesn't have to be that you have to go to a gym at all. Uh, but from a health perspective, if we want to be looking after our health and in terms of longevity, energy, vibrancy, we need muscle mass. Um, and the best way of doing that is to lift heavy weights of any sort. Right. Some some women may don't like us, but that is the truth. <laughs> we have we share the truth mm. here. Uh, Christine, let's a little bit wrap up here and let's maybe create a smaller list of what to do uh, to improve our gut health. Mm. What okay. we have here. Well, the first... So the first thing is it's it's a lifestyle. So look at your sleep patterns. Are you sleeping enough and stress and exercise? Those are equally important. Look at uh, getting fermented foods in your diet. Add in some polyphenols like your blueberries, your chocolates, uh, your grapes, your pomegranate. Add in leafy greens. Add in plenty of fibre, beans, pulses, oats, whole grain rice, etc., etc., Look out for any foods that you may be reacting to. Uh, if you are not getting improvement, you need to seek professional help, practitioner help, doctor's help. Um, obviously, there's red flags. If you're getting blood in your stool or whatever, you need to go and see your doctor. Um, but there are lots of lab testing you can do to really find out the underlying causes. Can we quickly explore the blood, uh, the lab testing? So lab testing could be anything from what we call SIBO, which is a hydrogen breath test. So that's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So the classic signs would be, say, for example, you have a meal and within half an hour you are bloated. You know, you're gassy, you're windy, you're really bloated. That tends to imply there's a problem in the small intestine. Um and, and that could also include celiac because that's where celiac would be um, most noticeable um, and that would be gluten, obviously. Um, and then the stool testing, and that would be, say you're getting diarrhea, constipation, IBS, abdominal cramping, uh, lots of flatulence, bloating after two or three hours after eating. Um, you've been traveling, you've had food poisoning. All of those might be indications that a stool test would be very good for you as well. Um, I mean, there are other tests, but those are two key tests that we often would be running on on clients. Um, and then, of course, you might want to have a look at food sensitivity testing as well, you know, or you could do a food elimination diet. But you should really only do that with a qualified practitioner so that you're not making your diet very deficient. Yeah, I think in the era of uh, all available online, it's very easy mm. to just go, right? Which mm. is great. We're getting more aware Um is perfect right yeah. for uh, overall improvement in wellness in our yes. society but again i encourage uh, the same seek mm -hmm. help at some mm -hmm. point what are three behaviors that christine does daily to help her with uh, living optimum life <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i go to the gym 
Uh, so, or I go out for a run. I need that time either on my own as well as obviously, so that stress relief and exercise, which will include some cardio, some weights. Uh, I share time with my family and that's really important to me. Um, and I make sure I get good night's sleep. Those are three, I know they're lifestyle things, but those are really important. How can we find you, Christine? Um, so my website is www.christinebailey.co.uk or I'm on Instagram, Christine M. Bailey. Um, those are probably the easiest ways of finding me. Right, Christine, there is many more topics I wish and I am sure I will explore with you. Thank you very much. I know that you're very busy. You're running programs. You're experts on the TV. You're, you're all around, all everywhere. Uh, so once again, thank you very much and all your advice and uh, knowledge is very valuable and I'm sure uh, so many people is, are going to be benefiting from that. Thanks for listening to Daria Tiesler, Pursuit of Wellness podcast. If you would like to know more, check out my website www.dariatiesler.com Join Pursuit of Wellness podcast next time when we talk about uh, cannabis oil or CBT oils, the science and benefits and more. Thank you and see you again. This podcast intends to optimize your health and well-being and does not substitute medical advice. It does not intend to sell and I do not get any profits from sales. <laughs>